Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome you here today, wherever you may be. This is the Auburn Troop Church of God, and I'm Pastor Colombo. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the great opportunity that you give us to share the gospel and the word of God with other people. And we thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. We pray your blessings upon each one. And we pray, God, that you would receive glory and honor through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> I'd like to preach to you this day on the subject, Catch Your Breath. As many know, there's a great pandemic in the world. And it's time, I think, to catch our breath and reevaluate where we are and where we are going. There's so much news and <clears throat> so much negativity that is just coming into our lives. And as we speak this word of God this morning, be reminded that God cares Amen. and that sometimes God puts us in impossible situations because he wants to get the glory of bringing us out. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 1, and the Lord God spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pihiaroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Beelzephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. Now God allowed the people to be put in a seemingly impossible situation. You see, they were headed east. But God told them to turn south suddenly. Why would God do such a thing? Because when you look at them turning south, here's what they were dealing with. They were dealing with mountains on either side of them. They were dealing with an Egyptian army that was following them. And they were looking at a Red Sea that they couldn't possibly cross in the natural. So why would God put them in this impossible situation because God wants to receive glory for getting us out of those situations that only he can get us out of. Man had no solution to the problem. And in a sense, in the old cliche, they were dead ducks. So what happens? In verse 3 of Exodus 14, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. <laughs> Pharaoh had the wrong opinion here. He was thinking, I got these people now. They got away momentarily. But the word entangled means to be perplexed or confused. So when Pharaoh saw them turning south and the mountains to either side and the Red Sea in front of them, and the Egyptian army behind them, Pharaoh was saying, they're, they're confused. They're perplexed. They have no idea what they're doing. Pharaoh was thinking this. <laughs> but God is not confused, my friend. Listen carefully. He knows full well what he is doing. The Lord knows what direction we are traveling, and he knows when he needs to change that direction for our good. You have to hear that this morning, my friend. Because sometimes the boat takes a different turn and the wind blows us into a different direction 
And we stand amazed and we're saying, I just don't understand where I'm at this point. What is God doing? You see, the Lord entraps the enemy. <laughs> you see, Pharaoh thought he was going to entrap the Jewish people. But the Lord entraps the enemy and puts him in sight for defeat. Many times we can't discern the intent of God. We look at the worst and we don't see the best. Let me say that again. We look at the worst and we don't see the best. In chapter 14 of Exodus, in the verse number 4, it says these words, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now, what does the word hardened mean? It means stubbornness and to be insensible. Because Pharaoh was making wrong choices, God was going to allow him to be stubborn and insensible. And what did it mean when God said these words, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh? Here's what it means. It means it will be grievous for him, but I will be honored to receive the glory when God's people are taken, praise God, from point A to point B on the other side of the Red Sea. The Bible says that in that verse that the Egyptians followed after the Jewish people. What does that mean? The word follow is a strong word. It means to be behind and follow after, but it means to run after, to pursue with the idea of persecuting. God was setting the enemy up for defeat. You see, Pharaoh refused the appeal of God through Moses' preaching. And now he and his army face eternal damnation. The plagues, I guess, were not enough for Pharaoh. Now he thinks, I'm going to get these folks back. People can turn God's voice off only so long. Listen to the word. Consequences always follow for a hardened heart. Proverbs 29.1 is a very strong verse, and it says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Amen. God hates pride, and God hates arrogance. In verse 5, the Bible says these words, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? <laughs> you know, the enemy of our soul asks the same question after we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and de decide to follow him, praise God, for the rest of our life. You wonder why you're in a fight spiritually with the enemy? You wonder why you're in spiritual warfare this day, my friend? It's because God took you out of Satan's trophy case, praise God, and put you in his trophy case and put your name in the Lamb's book of life and therein goes the fight. Hallelujah. Amen. You're in a war. Amen. And a lot of people don't like to hear that we are in a spiritual conflict and in a spiritual war. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting against powers and principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. 
This is exactly what's going on today in the world. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against that spiritual realm. We're fighting against darkness. We're fighting against satanic forces and demonic forces that try to come against us and bring fear to our lives. Praise the Lord. In verse number six, Pharaoh is not going to be outdone. You see, he wasn't getting the message clearly in his soul and in his spirit. He was muddled. In his mind, he was muddled in his opinions. The Bible says, and he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. Listen very carefully. 600 chosen chariots, all the chariots of Egypt. Josephus, the church historian, says that he estimated that there were 50,000 horses and 200,000 soldiers in pursuit of God's people. Some commentators even say that it was many as 600,000 soldiers. And one commentator said he thought it could be even 1 million soldiers. Think about this for a moment. Think about if you're the Jewish people. Think about if you're the pastor, you're Moses, and you have all these people, perhaps three million people following you, and now you've come to an impossible impasse. You have mountains on either side, you've got the Red Sea in front of you, and you have the Egyptian army that is so strong and so powerful and so mighty. It's a kingdom that's now coming against you. <laughs> have you ever been in those kind of a situations between a rock and a hard place, my friend? Oh, yes, we all have. We've all been in those moments of despair. We've all shaken our heads and said to ourselves, God, I don't even think you can solve this problem. I don't even think that you can get me out of this situation. So what is God going to do? God was going to do something spectacular. In verse number eight, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. What does this mean? The word pursue, you see, Pharaoh is now going after the Jewish people. It means to run after with hostile intent. He's mad. He's mad. The enemy's been mad since you were saved. The enemy has, has been mad since you were born again. The enemy has been mad since you received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's mad that you're following Jesus, okay? This means that he was chasing them, okay? He was wanting to follow after them, hunt them down, and persecute them with hostility. Hmm. Why do you think Jesus reminded us in the New Testament that the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy? The enemy of our soul has one goal in mind, to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy those things in your life that are good and profitable for God, for your family, and for God's kingdom. But the Bible says that the Jewish people would come out with a high hand, which means what? Triumphant, victorious, exalted, lifted up. And that's what God wants to do for his people. He wants to exalt his people as we praise him. He, he, he wants to lift us up triumphantly, victoriously, 
We're more than conquerors through him, praise God, that loves us. We are more than conquerors, not just a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. We must get the message that God is trying to speak to the church, even in this hour of impossibility. A virus has caused a pandemic in the world. People are losing their minds. We have so many negative reports, and we're thinking, I don't think God can get us out of this. I don't think we can resume life again. Some people are thinking we're doomed, that it's the end of the world, that it's the beginning of World War III. No. God is in control. God is in control, my friend. The planets did not collide last night, as I always say. God is always on time. He's an on-time God, as we used to sing in the old church. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Exodus 14 and 9, but the Egyptians pursued after them. They're not going to give up. The enemy's not going to give up. He's not happy you come to church and praise God. He's not happy you praise the Lord and read your Bible. He's not happy that you lay hands on other people and ask God to heal them and touch them in a a mighty way. But the Bible says that the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them by the sea beside by Hyathroth and by Alzaphon. Well, what does it mean, overtook them? They were now in reach of the Jewish people. They could be secured. They had the ability now to secure the Jewish people. <laughs> Boy, I wonder what was going through the minds of the Jewish people who were furthest back in the line. Can you imagine how quickly the word began to travel from one person to the other? You know how that works. You know how people say something to someone and before you know it and and five minutes later, it's all over the internet. Confidentialities are broke. Hearts are broken. I can't imagine how it must have been that day when all of a sudden the people in the back looked back and said, hey, they're coming. And that message started to stream right through all of those people, way up yonder to the beginning of the line. The Egyptians are here. We're cooked. We're dead ducks. There's no way out. Mountains, the sea, there's no boat. There's no way to get over. What are we going to do? Moses, why did you bring us here? We should have stayed in Egypt. What are you trying to do? Give us a grave here? We, We could have died in Egypt. We could have ate onions and leeks and garlic. Listen to the great life that they had. And that's what they wanted to go back to. So what happened? Anytime you're in an impossible situation and we get our minds off of God, fear sets in. Fear is destructive, my friend. And the verse 10, it says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, he was there. He was right there. He was at their back, man. The children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They saw them. They cried. Oh my, they're here. And he's mad because Pharaoh was in his own chariot and he's the leader. They're mad. Look at all these soldiers. Look at all all these horses. They drew nigh, which means they came near to the Jewish people. They were approaching them. They were entering into the space of the Jewish people. They were right there. And you know, sometimes the enemy is right there. He comes right into our sheepfold to intimidate us. 
He comes into our sheepfold to make us feel like we're fools because we're following Christ, because we love Jesus, because we sing the songs unto the Lord to give him worship and praise. The Bible says they were afraid. What does that mean? It means very simply, my friend, they were fearful. They stood in awe of the enemy. They became dreadful and terrified. You know, I want to make a statement that I'm going to say twice. Sometimes we see the enemy more than we see God. Hear me. I said, sometimes we see the enemy more than we see God. We get fixated on the negative and turn so quickly from the promises of God. We get fixated on the negative and turn so quickly from the promises of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Think of that. We walk by faith, not by sight sight. How many people today are walking by faith? Or are they walking by sight? You see, most people think it's over. Most people think, what can we do? We have all these people making decisions for us. But get to know this, my friend. God is in charge of the nations. God is in charge of the world. The same God that spoke all this into existence is the same God that reigns today. Praise God on his throne. The same God that took Adam and made man out of dust and breathed into his nostrils to make him a living being. The same God that took a rib from Adam's side and and created a woman is the same God that's in control of your life and my life and this world. Listen, God knows exactly what's going on. And he knows exactly what he's going to do, praise God, prophetically. He knew exactly what he was doing here with Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. So what happens when things look like it's doomsday, when people are preaching doom and gloom, when people are preaching it's the end, we start to murmur and we start to complain. And it happens so quickly. Listen to what happened. And verse 11, of course they see the Egyptian army behind them. But look at all the things that God did in Egypt. Look at all the plagues. Look at how God told them to, to do the Passover and, and put the blood on the doorposts of their, of their houses. And how the death angel passed over them. How, how God sent them back into Egypt to get clothes and the silver and gold and the jewelry as back pay for all the times they made those bricks. They forgot that. You know what? We forget that also. We forget the resume of God in our life. We forget how many times God has brought us out to bring us into a better place. Come on, my friend. We used to be in sin, in the miry clay, in the mud, and God pulled us out. And how many times since we've been Christians, how many times has God brought us through sickness, Financial problems, this distress, children's problems. How many times? We're still standing, my friend, and we're still praising God. Do not ever forget the resume of God in your life. Please, do not ever forget the resume of God in your life. Throw that in the enemy's face. He hates when you praise God. Amen. He hates when you worship God. And he hates when you sing the songs unto the Lord. 
They said unto Moses in verse number 11, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They're already giving up. They gave up on their pastor. They gave up on the promises of God. They gave up on the resume of God in their life. And now they're giving up on God. And where do they want to go back to? <laughs> slavery and bondage. My friend, I never want to go back to slavery and bondage because God has set me free. You see, we fold up the tent so quickly. We fold the tent up so quickly. We don't see God to the end in each trial or circumstance. God sees your life not in minutia. God sees your life from the beginning to the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen. We fold up. We go home. We start to cry and murmur. We start to complain. Where's God? What's he doing? I don't understand what my life is all about. Where am I going? What's my direction? <laughs> Listen, God has got you in that sailboat, my friend. And when the wind begins to blow, he's going to adjust those sails that you go in the right port and you land on the right shore, my friend. You can, you can bet on that. <laughs> you see, there's such a desire to compromise. You see, when we murmur and we complain, it's actually compromising. Because we're not accepting and believing the word of God. The Bible says there has to be a death in our soul. Praise God. Fear denotes lack of trust in God. Fear immobilizes. Fear paralyzes. Fear causes us to lose sight of God. Fear robs our faith. People's faith is being robbed left and right. As I speak to you this day, they're already saying it's over. We'll never go back to church. We'll never praise God. Listen, I don't need a building to have church. Amen. I said, I don't need a thousand people. It would be nice to have church. Because you know what? Me and God are a majority. And all God is looking for me, from me, is to seek him early. And he said, I'll find him. And when I praise him and I worship him and I read the word of God and I pray... Listen, I'm having church. Oh, don't get me wrong, my friend. I love to have church with other people. It's a blessing. Corporate worship, collective worship is a blessing from God. God comes to inhabit the praise of his people. It's a wonderful thing. But you know what? Right now, God has us in a position of solitary confinement, if you would, so that we can dig out the word of God, so that we can... Dig and get the bread that we need. You see, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Open your Bible. Dig out a nugget. Get something in the word of God. Let God speak to your heart, my friend. Amen. Don't give up. Praise the Lord. Fear robs our faith. So what happens? What's the pastor going to do now? <laughs> He's got this huge, gigantic church, probably three million people. And now Moses has to say something. And the Bible says in verse 13 of Exodus 14, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Whoa. Moses the prophet. Moses is prophesying. Moses is speaking a word of hope into the spirit of the Jewish people. He's saying, number one, stand still. What does that mean? Station yourself. Take your stand. Present yourself. Praise God. Stand with someone. Stand with God and stand with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, Paul said in the book of Ephesians that after you've done all, he said, stand. When you've done all, stand. When you put on the armor of God, when you have fought the great fight of faith, when you've done all that spiritual warfare, Paul says, stand. Stay there. Station yourself in Christ. You know, we sing that song, I shall not be moved. <laughs> Praise God. Do we really believe that? Moses says, stand still and see. Watch. What you are going to see is like something that you have never seen before. This is going to be magnificent. This is going to be one humongous miracle. You think that you saw things happen in Egypt? You think that great things happened there and they did? Wait until you see what's going to happen here in a short time. Because he said, stand still and see what? The salvation of the Lord. The word salvation means deliverance. It means rescue. It means preservation. It means victory. Amen. What was Moses saying? Stay cool. Stay calm. Stay collected. Catch your breath. See the situation clearly. Our God reigns. <laughs> Our God reigns. Stay in the secret place of the Most High God, my friend. You know, many of you who know me know I'm a great sports fan. I used to be an athlete when I was younger. And quarterbacking, I was a quarterback. And when you call a pass play, your linemen build a cup around you. And you drop back for the, with the ball. But then, as these linemen, these big fellas, surround you, you step up into the pocket, what they call the pocket, so that you have a few seconds to throw that pass. These fellas here are the ones that guard you. Listen, my friend, stay in the pocket. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God protecting you so you can make the pass. Hallelujah. So you can go from point A to point B. So you can complete what God has begun in your life in the name of Jesus. God is a warrior. I said, God is a warrior. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible says in Exodus 14 and 14, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, I will have victory. Sometimes we say things too quickly and impulsively with our mouth, and we nullify and we negate the promises of Almighty God. The Bible says God is a warrior. What does it mean to fight? He'll do battle for you. He'll make war against the enemy. 
But that word fight also means to prevail and overcome and be victorious over our enemy. We're losing sight of that in what's going on in the world today. There's so much news. There's so many opinions. There's so many editorials. There's so many voices speaking at us. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Listen to what God's word says in Exodus 15 and 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Bible says in Psalm 35 and 1, Plead my cause, O Lord, hallelujah, with them that strive with me, fight against them that fight against me. Does that sound like God is a weakling? Does that sound like God is sleeping this morning? No, he's not. He's with us. He's been with you. He'll remain with you as we walk with God. So Moses had this little short sermon to tell the people to stand still, fear not, see the salvation of the Lord. And then God says something to him that's profound. In verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. You want to hear a word from God this morning, my friend? You want to know what that word is? Here's what God is saying. Go forward. Go forward. We're not going backwards. The church isn't dead. God has always raised up a remnant of people. He's always had a people throughout the word of God. Hallelujah. Not everybody gets on, on board on that ship. Not everybody got on that boat that Noah built. Boat, uh, built praise God. But God has a people. He has a people that he's raising up in the earth, praise God. It means to go forward. What does that mean? It means to pull out from where you are and proceed to depart, to journey. It means to remove yourself from where you are and go where God wants to bring you. It means this, to quarry, which means to excavate. It means to dig. You know what God's saying? I want to go deeper in your life. I want you to dig out some nuggets. I want to speak to you by revelation, by dream, by vision. Praise God. In your prayer closet, in your songs, in your worship, in your, in your praise. God is saying, listen, have confidence in God's past history, Moses. You just spoke a prophetic word to the people that I gave you. Now stop crying. Stop crying. It's contagious. Praise God. God will complete the journey in your life if you have patience and faith in God. Hallelujah. Go forward means this, to use all the light that you have and to take that one step into darkness. I love that definition of faith that God has given me to understand him better. Use up all the light that you have, son, when I call you. And take that first step into darkness, and that's faith. You see, in darkness, you don't know where you're going. But your faith says, God is directing me. God was telling the children of Israel to use up all the land that you have and cross over. But Lord, the Red Sea is before us. But Lord, this virus. But Lord, it's the coronavirus. But Lord, it's a pandemic. My friend, there's been pandemics in different times in the past in the world. Yes, people died. Yes, there was sickness and illness. There's a curse 
on this earth? We all know that. But do you think that God's done with you? Do you, do you think that God is pulling up stakes, folding the tent, and saying, hey, man, I'm done with you? I don't think so. I think this is the most exciting time to be alive. This is church history. Listen, the prophets didn't see what you see today. The angels are trying to figure out what you're viewing and observing today through your salvation. We're here. God is here. Praise God. And God is saying to Moses, okay, let's do the prophetic. Let's bring the prophetic to pass. Let's give it fruition. <laughs> Praise God. So what does he tell Moses? In verse 16, he says, But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Wait a minute. <laughs> Come on, pastor. Moses, what do you have in your hand? It's a rod. And what is God saying for you to do with that stick, with that rod? To stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it? Are you serious? Do you know who's behind us? Do you know what's going on here? This is our way out. Not a boat. Not a plane. They didn't exist. But a rod? <laughs> How can this be? Because the miracle working power of God defies human understanding. <laughs> this is the God, again, who took dust and made a man. This is the God who took a rib and made a woman. This is the God that I'm speaking of. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> is there anything too hard for God. You might say, Pastor, I'm at an impasse in my life. I have a situation in my home, in my family. I have a great problem. Listen, I'm not minimizing that. And I'm realistic to know that we all have trials and tribulations because the Lord told us that we would have that. And some people, the Bible says that the Apostle Peter said that we would have fiery trials fiery trials and I'm not minimizing trials I'm not minimizing the effect that they have in our life but I want to maximize the power of God in my life through Christ I want you to maximize the power of God praise God in your life through Jesus Christ there's nothing too hard for our God so what was God going to do in verse 17 and I behold I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am, praise God, the Lord. When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. What is God saying here? God is declaring that his glory will shine on this matter. God is saying, I will have the last word. God is saying, I have a definitive word for Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You're not going to see them any longer. They're going to disappear. They're going to be out of your life because God is the God 
of miracles. So what did God do? God is ingenious. In verse 19, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. I call that interference. It's kind of like in football. The fullback blocks for the halfback, who gets all the credit because he gets the yards, but the real warriors are the linemen that push against the defensive players and the fullback that, praise God, makes that block so that that halfback can run through that hole and see daylight and make a touchdown. God is saying, I'm your fullback. I'm your lineman. <laughs> I'm your guard. I'm your shield. I'm your buckler. Hallelujah. And here's what I'm going to do. He went behind them and stood behind them. God stands between us and the enemy. Hear this very closely. As Christians, we have the armor of God for every part of our body, as revealed in Ephesians chapter 6, except one place, our back. Do you know why? Because God continually tells us, I've got your back. You see, he had the back of the Egyptian people. This is what God is saying. Listen to what God is saying here. God is saying, I stand behind you. I stand behind the Jewish people, and I will cover their back. And it's no different today, my friend. God is our rear reward. Hallelujah. I said God is our rear reward. Hallelujah. And he stands between us and any difficulty that comes in our life. It was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Listen. God gave them air conditioning during the day, the cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night, he gave them heat when it cooled down. The cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night was a type and shadow to come of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said to the disciples, I must go, he said, I must pray the Father that the Comforter would come. That's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, my friend. That's with you always. Hallelujah. He said, I'll go with you. And he sent the comforter to us. Hallelujah. And God has our back today. And so what happened in verse 20? And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. There was a divide. There was a separation. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that one came, came not near the other all night. What is God saying? God saying, I'll blind the eyes of the enemy. He will thwart the plan of the opponent. God is an experienced boxer in the ring. <laughs> and he brings all that experience to thwart the plan of the opponent. He will give light to his people, even in, listen, their darkest hour. He will distance us from the hand of the enemy and guide us in the night. Hallelujah. The Bible says in verse 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Get ready, people. Get ready for the miracle. Come on now. Get ready. Pass that word. Hallelujah. Get your text out. 
Get your memos out. Get your emails out. Come on. Let the people know all the way in the back that Moses is going to raise that rod. And he stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Praise God. Some commentators estimate that that sea divide was five miles wide. I don't hear nobody murmuring right now. I don't hear anybody complaining right now. (laughs) It kind of reminds me when Jesus was walking on the water toward the boat that was in a storm. And Peter looked up and he said, Lord, if if that's you, bid me to come. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Peter took that step of faith out of the boat. You know, he used all the land that he had in that boat. He used all the light that he had, and he took that one step. And guess what? When he took that one step, it was cement. It was solid. He didn't sink until he looked down. You hearing what I'm saying, my friend? There's no water here. The Red Sea has been divided, and they're walking over. Listen to the words that the Bible says, dry ground. Who could do that but God? Some people say, well... I remember a story that I heard about a little schoolboy in school. And his teacher had remarked about the Red Sea and uh, said that was really a myth that there was only just a, a few inches of water in the Red Sea. And this little boy in the classroom started laughing <laughs> hysterically. And the teacher said, young man, why are you laughing? He said, you know, I know God is great. And I know God does miracles. But he drowned all those Egyptians in a few inches of water. My God is great. He's awesome. Think about that for a moment. The faith of a child. (laughs) Okay, only a few inches. But he believed God drowned the Egyptians. So what happened? You know, God puts a hook in the nose of the enemy sometimes to draw them to defeat. In verse 23... And the Egyptians pursued. (laughs) They have to be wondering, this is unbelievable. We're walking also on dry ground. Yes, we are walking on dry. We're going to get those people. (laughs) Hallelujah. And went in after them into the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, hallelujah, that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fought for them against, praise God, Against what? Against the Egyptians. What is happening here? They're looking down and they're saying, wait a minute. Our, 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 our equipment is marred. We're, we're losing chariot wheels. What's going to happen here? Pharaoh, you're the leader. Can you help us? Oh, no, he can't. Because you know what? His chariot wheels are coming off also, my friend. And God waited for a specific moment 
when all the Jewish people had gone over to the other side. You see, my friend, I always preach this for years. God is always trying to get us from point A to point B. He's always trying to improve our lives. He's always trying to help us spiritually. So what did God say to Moses? In verse 26 of Exodus 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. <laughs> that stick again. Come on, Moses. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. God, give us victory over our enemies. Let not our enemies triumph over us. Amen. This is our God, my friend. This is who's in control. This is who is coming back one day. Hallelujah, at the appointed time. We will get to the other side. Listen, in verse 29, But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. What happened? God divided the waters so that they could get over to the other side. I don't know what the Red Sea in your life is today. I see the Red Sea in the world as the pandemic virus. I understand that it has invaded the earth. But is anything too hard for God? Whatever your Red Sea is this morning, God can divide the waters to help you cross over and be victorious. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to listen to news stations that tell us, where's God? One leader said the other day, as millions of us have been praying in the earth for God to do something special, to reverse the course. And when the number of deaths had gone down in a particular state and the curve began to flatten. He said that you could not attribute that to God. I'd be very fearful for his life, my friend, because God desires glory. Pharaoh tried that trick, and guess where he ended up? He ended up in the Red Sea as those waters converged to destroy him and his army and his soldiers. We have to give God the glory as I close. The Bible says in verse 30 of Exodus 14, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who has come into our life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We will be victorious. And I pray for you this morning that God would touch you in a special way, that God would deliver you from point A to point B, that God would heal your body 
in the name of Jesus Christ, that God would touch your spirit, that God would invade your soul like never before. I pray that the peace of God come upon you in a way that you've never experienced. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you be healed by the power of Almighty God. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Praise the Lord.